it's so flattering that you said um, that you really like looking at my work and the craft and quality of it because I never associated myself with like a really good printmaker because I was so willing <laughs> to make these horrible like messes and mistakes. Um, yeah. It just like felt natural and felt exciting. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. Being an artist requires a couple things. You got to be knowledgeable, creative, have technical skills, but you also have to be tenacious and have an unwavering curiosity to be able to take traditional methods and interrupt them to make new things. That definitely applies to today's guest, Althea Murphy-Price, printmaker, professor at UT Knoxville. Check out her work and you'll see all kinds of stuff. Lithography, screen printing, photography, 3D printing. She is not defined by one medium at all. Her work is exploring the complexities of black womanhood, especially the politics and culture of hair. We talk about her fascination and exploration of hair and realness. Realness. <laughs> that was a good conversation. Uh, being a good printer, technology and printmaking and much, much more. That good art talk that you love so much right here on the noise studio noise. The voice of black art bring you the very best of the melanated geniuses that make the art world go round. I love being able to talk to some of my favorite artists like Athea. I love her work so much. Hey, I mean, look, you might be thinking, Jamal, didn't you tell Vanessa German that she was your favorite artist? Well, she is. All right. <laughs> and Althea is too. All right. What you want me to do? Look. All right. One, thank you for listening to the podcast, paying attention. Two, uh, mind your business. <laughs> I got a lot of favorite artists. What you want me to do? And C, uh, it's a lot of good work out there and I like a lot of it. So, I mean, what you want me to do, yo? <laughs> you, want me, you want me to not like it and not be a fan of some of this amazing work that we talk about here? Just look it up. A matter of fact, make sure you follow us at Studio Noise Podcast on IG and I'll post some of the images that I'm talking about during this conversation. So you'll get to see, you'll, you'll follow out there and you'll get to see why I love it so much. That's what I'm saying. Check out the website, www.studionoisepodcast.com. I got some Studio Noise t-shirts on the way. So I want you to make sure you go get one, support the podcast, always represent the noise wherever you go. Uh, that's going to be dropping by the end of the month. So uh, please be on the lookout for that. The Noise, as always, presented by Black Art in America. The Atlanta Fine Art Print Fair is going down August 11th and 12th at the Buy Gallery, 1802 Connolly Drive, East Point, Georgia. 10 minutes or so from the airport. Fly in, Uber, ride your bike. I mean, damn, walk if you got to. Just make sure you get there, baby. As <laughs> it's going to be a collection, a big collection of all the best in black printmaking that you can possibly get. It's for process stuff. It's all kinds of prints uh, from world-class artists like that you know and love. People like Delita Martin, Chloe Alexander, Rashawn Rucker, Robin Holder, Carrie James Marshall, so many more. Jennifer Matt Watkins is the feature artist. She'll be there with her stuff. Uh, it's going to be a, just a great show. It's going to be the perfect place for you to come in, uh, see and appreciate some amazing prints 
and start to get some of these prints. Enhance your collection or start your collection with some world-class art. You won't be disappointed. Make sure you come down to see us at the Fine Art Print Fair, August 11th and 12th. I'm going to make sure you be there. I'm going to be there. I want to see you there. And you can get more details at blackartamerica.com. And now after the break, it's my new best friend in printmaking, <laughs> Althea, the wonderful Althea Murphy-Price right here on The Noise, baby. Yes. This is Farron Manuel, director of the Black Art in America Foundation, head of exhibitions and programming here at BIA. You're listening to Studio Noise. All right, yes, it's your boy Jay Barber, Studio Noise, back with you live at the BIA Gallery, 1802 Conley Drive, East Point, Georgia, the home of black art here in Atlanta. Make sure y'all come by, stop by and see it. The show is up. I can help curate it. It's printmaking. It's all types of stuff. So anytime you make it down, make sure you come down here. Uh, but I'm here right now talking to one of my favorite artists that we just getting to talk after so long and so many complications <laughs> to get to this point. I got Althea Murphy-Price on the podcast with me. How you doing, girl? Hi, Jamal. I'm so glad I can meet with you. Long, long overdue. Yes, long overdue. Long overdue. I've been a a fan of your work for a long time. And, you know, I don't know. I love printmaking, right? Everybody listening to the show know this. I love printmaking. So whenever I see your work, I am always fascinated by the quality of printing, by the process, by the ideas, all of it. It's just wonderful. It sucks me in every time I see it. So so (laughs) I haven't talked to you. That is so kind. I, I mean, you know, I love printmaking too. I love printmaking too. I love the idea behind it. I like the the guidance of a certain way that has to be mm. carried out, right? Yeah. Like the rules yeah. and restrictions. Because um, then you can break rules and yeah. restrictions too. Yeah, that's um, the best part. <laughs> yeah, I like that's that the there's history. The history behind it mm-hmm. is directly related to people and history and um like when I say history, like people's history, social history, right? I love that. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's a rich, it's a rich playground, rich medium. Yeah, and so what was what was the process that got you into it? Like you know, that every oh, printmaker, yeah. there's always that one that one thing they did that one time I made that one screen print. And now I'm sucked in. It's a gateway, <laughs> yeah. My my gateway, yeah. My gateway process probably was was probably kind of like, I mean, it was relief a bit. Mm, okay, a, yeah. A little bit, you know, but I think the first print that I made that I really loved was Intaglio, which I don't mess around with now, but. Um, <laughs> Yo, Intaglio is hard. <laughs> that is, nah, that but you know, so but it's so direct. At yeah. first, it's so direct. Yeah. And it's like all tactile and you can like, there's a sense sensory type of relationship to it and control that's fine lines, which I love fine lines. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it was Intaglio for me. I was, um, but you know, I didn't make my first print, not my first real print until college. Uh, I didn't have it in high school. I didn't have it. And I wasn't like privy to printmaking early on in education. So 
Um, it wasn't until I went to college that I even knew what printmaking was. Yeah. And my professor, Professor Hickey, Christopher Hickey at Clark Atlanta. Yeah. University, shout out to Chris. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. was the one that introduced me to it. And, uh, and I really, when I really fell in love with it, though, was relief printmaking. That's when I yeah. really felt like I could just like, I could take the little bit of knowledge I knew and just like go with it. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. For me, it was screen printing. For some reason, it's just I saw a screen printed demo at an art store one time, and just some about I understood it just by watching them do it. Just like you know, I I can do this. Mm -hmm. I know what I can do. I know how to uh, play around with it. That's like that little bit of understanding what you were talking about is this the only thing you needed to right. get started and get going. Yeah. So they, you know, that's the best thing about it. And plus, it was a process. And for me, I had spent so many so long uh trying to be a painter the way i wanted to be a painter the way i thought i wanted to be a painter not not even like how i actually worked that uh it i was blinded to the to the materials and the concepts and so when i got into screen printing i didn't know anybody so it allowed me to be free right and right. Like, experimenting and processing like do my own thing and make mistakes and and feel okay about it like it's not right. that big a deal and you know and you develop after that you know what i mean yeah. I mean, everyone knows. I mean, it was the same for me. It's like, I thought I was a, I thought I was a drawer and then like slash painter. Right. And it's like, and everyone knows painting. Everyone knows mm -hmm. what a drawing is. Yeah. And so everyone knows what a painting is. So I figured I also knew how, who I was in that method or medium. Yeah. And, um, and so one, I wasn't interested in changing any of that. Right. Like if it hadn't been a requirement for a requirement, like for me to take printmaking, I wouldn't have taken it. Um, but when I did, there's something about it, how it tapped into a different way of thinking Yeah, that, like you're saying, it freed you. It was like a different way of thinking that um, challenged me in a way that um, that I hadn't felt challenged in other media and also um, and also just seem limitless too in these like possibilities to maybe do something. And I think as artists, we're always trying to do something that no one else has done. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like maybe with this medium, I could do something no one else has done. Now, now do you think that's true? No, yeah. but you know, for a young mind, yeah. like, yeah, that was really exciting. That was really enticing. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I definitely too, I thought, well, you are a painter, though. See, I'm not a painter, but <laughs> I, I, I'm, I I'm a so-called painter. painter. I'm a I'm a I'm a printmaker that does paintings. Yes, <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's <laughs> I like that. I like that instead of the painter that does prints. No, nah, yes. yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a printmaker yeah, that does paintings. Even even however, all the ways that I I paint actually follows my printmaking, like right. the way that I batch mix colors, just like I would do for a screen print. You know what I'm saying? The way I would apply and let it dry and let it layer, the exact same way right. I do my prints. And so oh, I've learned so much. I found myself in printmaking. And so that's why I love it so much. Because mm -hmm. it gave me so much freedom. It set me free from uh, like the, you know, art is, art is hard. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Being out here trying to make stuff and be creative like every day and, and produce stuff and make something that people want is a hard thing to do. Yeah. And so the emotional toll that it took on me printmaking freed me from it 
like it allowed me to like have a process that that if all else fails, I can only carve so much. Then I have to print it. Right. Yeah. And then you can only print so many till you have to either start another one or keep going. And so it pushed me in yeah. a way that that nothing else has been able to do. So, you know, I, I found so much freedom in the process, the process, the restrictions, the 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 milestones. And if I can get to the next milestone, I'll be all right. That's, that's how I always look at my prints. If I could just if I could just try to get this exposed, <laughs> like yeah. if that part goes all right, then I'll figure out something else after that. Right. And so like those little bits, those little bits, you know, like help me out a lot, yo. Yeah, a whole yeah, a whole lot. Yeah, I know when I studied when I um when I left school, I went to um I went to Purdue University, and at the time they had a it was a painting and drawing. No, it was, it was painting and printmaking. It was combined as mm. the degree, as the as the graduate study degree, and um, and like I went in thinking, you know, I had this experience in printmaking, but an equal experience in painting and drawing. So, um, but all of my all of the pieces that I made, I'll just have to generalize them in that way. They combined a bit of both, or at least I was trying to combine a bit of both and not realizing that I was doing it, but I really wasn't painting at that point at, at all. I was using methods of like stamp-like methods, mm, imprint-like mm-hmm. methods, layering mm-hmm. methods. Um, and, you know, and I think that's what um, allows so many people to grasp onto print because you can identify, there's so many different qualities that we would associate with the medium, like right. not just the multiple, not just making copies, right? But then, I mean, when we think about copies applied to, um, I mean, just general society, general like uh, um, general objects that we interact with, ways that we think about like multiplicity in terms of even like social media and stuff and replicating, copying things. It applies mm-hmm. there. We can find like an understanding there. Um, there's the layering, you know, that kind of that just that cons conceptually, right? And painting for me was, that meant like, I was working a lot with wax and encaustic at the time. So it was like layer, put something on it, layer, put something else on it, layer. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. like, can I build that way, right? Um, Mm -hmm. There's molding, like mold making and that, that making the copies in that way, you know, which is sculptural. Like, it's just all these different qualities about the process that really does put prints but, and I sound like, you know, we sound like print, like groupies, like we sound like <laughs> print geeks, but it's true. Yeah. It's like print is a little bit in a lot of media It is, and it's just, it's part of, um, cause it's part of technology, right? Like, and these technology is like modes of technology that we've gained over the years. And in art making, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't get rid of any of those. We just build upon them. Right. Yeah. Yep. We still work in like the oldest, like 18th century ways as we do in like 21st century ways. Right. And yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And we just kind of like, so I think that's why print can be found or exist in so many things. And then those of us that are enthusiasts and love it, we recognize that we can see that, you know? Yeah. And it's always easy to bring people into it because like, no matter what you do, there's a print process that correlates to it. So if you like to draw, you like lithography, you like etching, yeah. you like to paint, you like monoprint, you like screen printing. Right. If, if you just like <laughs> making images, you'll you'll love woodcuts or something like that. Like 
it's a process for everything. Like it's so right. all encompassing, and you get to make more than one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, super exciting. Yeah, <laughs> every time something come off the press, it's brand new. Yeah, like you know, yeah, <laughs> you don't have to give away anything. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I always struggled with that. I never liked. Actually, when I was a kid, that's what made me. My parents would say it was really my father would say a lot of. Um, like, you know, you need to become an artist, right? And I'm like, hmm, I just wouldn't want to give away stuff. I'm like, no, I don't think I can do that because I don't want to give it to somebody else. Like, if that's the only way I'm going to make money is to give it away, yeah. I don't want to do that. And so. <laughs> so yeah, make an extra one for yourself. Maybe the there's, maybe there's a subconscious kind of thing in there, but I don't think so. But uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah. 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 And we just got to talking. When did I introduce you properly? Like this uh, Thea Murphy Price from uh teachers at UT Knoxville. Uh do. been doing that for a long time. Like you said, you went got your I, BA from Spelman. I uh took classes at Clark and then you got your MFA from Tyler School of Art. Yeah. Uh fascinating path that you was on. Like what what took you to all these different places and how'd you end up in Tennessee? Oh yeah. How did I would I never thought I would end up in Tennessee. Tennessee's been good to me, but yeah, I never thought I'd end up there here. Um, yeah, I uh, I pretty much took a really quick, my trajectory has been this like fast, kind of fast pace in terms of, um, terms of my education part of that, like going from one program to the next program to the next program. Um, I did you was, never, did you never, to not take a break in between any of it? You're no, just like I didn't. In it. I didn't. Wow. No, I just kept going. It's like I've been in, <laughs> I've been in academics a long time. But you know, the interesting thing is, though, I mean, I recognize that, and that's a that's become a big part of me. But it's also not one that I like. Um, I don't just identify as you know as academic, though. I mean, I think most mm-hmm. would say that. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> and we're all tra- still trying to be artists. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm it's like I'm an artist. I'm an artist. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I just took this like fast. This I don't know if you call it a fast track. Didn't feel like that, but um, I just really loved it. It wasn't because I thought. I definitely, contrary to what a lot of people think, maybe is that I I went into school and I thought, oh, I want to become a professor. So I'm going to do these things to become a professor. I had no intention of becoming a professor. I mean, I really didn't even, yeah. I I mean, (laughs) I kind of, I felt like I fell into this a bit um, and it was an opportunity that I could take advantage of and it worked out for me. Um, But I didn't go into it with that intention in mind. I went into it with the intention of whatever I'm doing, um, I got to commit myself to it wholeheartedly. I've got to be in my mind. My thinking was I've got to be the best at this. If people are saying that this is not the ideal, an ideal career, well then I got to be pretty darn good at it. Um, And I got to commit myself to it completely in in order to, in order to make something of it. Right. And so that's really the mentality that I went into it with. I mean, I, I've pursued some other job, um, other kind of related jobs here and there. Um, like I worked in conservation for a while, but uh, but 
No, but this just, I feel like this just in terms of teaching kind of just worked out for me and I love it. Um, but it wasn't the first or original plan. I just wanted to be an artist. Yeah. <laughs> my plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it always is. Yeah. I, that's how I was when I went back, back to school. Uh, I, I'm like you, I took a break. I took a long break, like 15 years before I went back to grad school. And Good. yeah, but when I got back, I just found like, uh, I think it's mostly, you know, back to printmaking again. My experience being in a community print shop mm-hmm. uh, influenced my teaching a lot because, you know, I, I can't just be in the studio and seeing you do something and struggling or having problems and I can't help you. Like, I got to be able to help. Mm. You. Like, I got to be able to figure this thing out. And so a lot of teaching is figuring out what they want to do and kind of guiding them to let them do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, y'all gonna mess up, you're gonna mess, but you're gonna make a lot of bad prints. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. Like, that's how you get to the good ones. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, my enjoyment for teaching probably came from that somehow <laughs> along the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, it's it's just a lot to be said for having a community to work within. Yeah. Right? And to feel like, it's, it's like, it's encouragement, it's accountability. Um, it's, you know, artists, we don't want to admit it, but we do work a lot on um, response to those around us, whether that's competition, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. competitive sense, or whether that's yeah. like, whatever, you know, um, envy or whatever, you know, but, yeah. we, you know, we, we, we need that. I think like, you know, athletes would talk about their practice that way too, right? Like, um, and there's motive, whatever that's like helps motivate us, helps encourage us. And I think that's like, that's super important. That's another reason why people love printmaking and <laughs> exactly. other craft based things, right? Like, I say craft based um, in the most broadest sense, but you know, uh, these other medias that kind of um, just naturally come with them, some form of like um, required or needed community. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think people are looking for it. Right. Yeah. And people are in, in a way uh, we we want to express what's inside of us, but we don't want to do it alone. Not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. We don't really want to like be in the room by ourselves or be some struggling artist, you know, what I'm saying tucked away and cut our ear off and go crazy and all this kind of stuff. Nobody wants to really do all that. Right. Like We want to go and have fun, be with your friends, be with like minded people, discuss mm-hmm. things that you like nerd out about paper or you know ink ink uh additives and you know all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i think that's the benefit for us so you know it's it's a way that everybody can enjoy it mm-hmm. yeah and yeah a way that we can feel comfortable in our own humanity in a way right yeah you know? exactly um, exactly to feel different and to feel um and to feel like a part of something right and to feel yeah. not so different so um yeah i think that's what's that's what's great about like working outside of the classroom environment is that, and working with groups of artists is that everyone acknowledges everyone works a different way, thinks a different mm-hmm. way, makes mm-hmm. a different way. And no one's trying to like, and no, everyone can recognize that there's not one best way. Um, there's not one goal, like, um, like the A project versus the B project. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so everyone's just comfortable in their own skin and, and even comfortable in their own like turmoil and struggles, right? Obstacles um, to recognize that these are my own and 
it doesn't mean that there's something, you know, like we're all going through this, but we're all doing mm-hmm. it together. And, um, and that's like, that's rewarding. Um, yeah, it's pretty rewarding. I, I get this kind of, uh, of shared narrative when I look at your work too, um, because your work is so much about uh, the politics of hair mm-hmm. and the politics of black hair, like especially uh, when you're looking at it. And I remember my wife went on her natural hair journey and how big a deal it was for her. And it opened my eyes because I never really thought about it. I just go get the cut. You know what I'm saying? They're like, whatever, I'm going to try something new. It's like, it don't matter. Uh, but her like doing the big chop and all the stuff, like it meant something like, yeah, the, I saw people react to her differently after we, after they did it. I saw her deal with it and mix her products on the stove to, you know, put the stuff and wear the bags on her head, like all the stuff that like goes into it. And so I like all of these ideas that come into your work. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me, what was the foundation of it? Like, where did you first start to play with this idea of hair? Yeah. Um, well, I think. And I'm I am gonna generalize a bit, but I think it's kind of safe to say most black, brown women like would identify with some aspect of whether or not, you know, whether their hair's textured or not, um, but this relationship to what the hair on their head means about who they are or what they mm-hmm. what's expected of them. And so um so in some ways, the genesis of that is our uh, like long existed before me, and or as soon as I became aware of my own self. But um, but um, yeah, I would say you know when I first got interested though in in speaking about it though visually was um, I, you know it was when I was looking at I was trying to do some research trying to look for inspiration I was looking through old magazines of ebony and jet and things like that um, and and I was just so interested in these little advertisements on the side you know it's like looking at this like these magazines that are all about empowerment or fashion and women you know black women at our at our best. Um, and then these small little advertisements in the side that are like, use this cream, use this product, you know. Um, and what weirded me out was realizing, okay, so I'm looking, I'm, I'm referring to like, um, I'm, look, I'm referring to like Jet magazines that are in Ebony magazines from like, I mean, pretty recent, like from the 90s, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and they'd have these products too, right? But like, they're just titled differently. They're just advertised a little differently, but what do they do? They lighten your skin. I mean, that was one thing that really interested me was like skin bleaching. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, or, you know, they straighten, you straighten your hair. I mean, it's like two of the main things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but with that thought in mind, I went to look back at even older um, magazines and then those magazines were in particular like those same advertisements were were then just really i mean really just shocking kind of right these before and after images of um this is before our product and and she looks like i mean you know i mean she looks like a black caricature picanini right (laughs) and um, after our product (laughs) right and she looks like a european white woman right. yeah. <laughs> and it's like whoa you couldn't make that more obvious of what the message is and this is blatant right um and i found that so fascinating because like the 
because at the heart of it was this, it was in this source of which that was supposed to guide us as black women or empower us as black women. But, you know, in the, the small print says something else, right? right. Small print yeah. reminds you of your place. Um, and so that's, that's really where I first got inspired. And, um, and then printmaking, because printmaking just had all sorts of ways of like, um, exploring for me and like, what ways could I incorporate material and, and process. Right. And so I tried to start like switching out paper for, um, paper for like hair. Right. Mm. Like, like you know? print yeah. Hair. And print on hair. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, um, yeah, all sorts of things like that. Like, how can I use, or vice versa, right? Like, how can I use the hair to print onto the paper? And I made a heck of a lot of mistakes. I made a heck of a lot of messes. I mean, I sound like a mess. Yes. See <laughs> what you describe. Yeah. I was one of those. I was those. <laughs> it's so flattering that you said um, that you really like looking at my work and the craft and quality of it because. I never associated myself with like a really good printmaker because I was so willing <laughs> to make these horrible like messes and mistakes. Um, yeah. It just like felt natural and felt exciting <laughs> um, not to do things bad in the studio, but I've done some of the bad things in the studio too. Right. Like, um, so, but I just loved the, um, the freedom of trying these things out and taking this idea and this idea and like, okay, I mean, I've done it. I, I feel like there's, I can't say nothing, but I feel like I've tapped a lot of different directions in terms of experimenting when it comes to hair, yeah. hair products, right? Yeah. Like drawing yeah, you, with hair yeah. products, things that people have never seen, right? <laughs> drawing with <laughs> hair products, like making plates out of hair, making, you know, um, printing on hair, um, I mean, making making rugs out of hair making clippings. I mean, I've done it. Oh, I've done girl, it, yeah, it. you I've you done, done it. it a lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now tell me about that part. The, yeah. that idea that uh, it because it is a gift. Now it's a it's a gift and freedom to be able to embrace or explore so many different materials. Like, why are you doing? Because a lot of people don't have that. That and to me, I found that for me, it had to be taught that this is how you can do something. It doesn't have to be so. ABC, uh, you know, paint, brush, canvas, you know, right. like like that kind of thing. Like it can be like using hair or clippings and making rugs and making ephemeral stuff where the hair might move. Like uh, if you brush by it too fast, like all the all the different things that you're doing. Um, where did you get that freedom from? Like the idea of exploring so many materials. Yeah, where did I get the idea? I mean, that's a great question because I think there is like a certain amount of understanding we have. When we're art, when we're art making, that like art making looks like this or doesn't yeah. look like this, yeah. um, and especially in printmaking too, because because yes. you know these are traditional techniques been doing for thousands of years. Some some of them, right? And so like this is what you do: you take your wood, you carve it, you ink it, and print it. Like that's it. Like where did you get the the idea of these all these interruptions um in the process that you bring into it yeah i mean i don't i just love experimenting so i think initially for me it was a matter of like how can i this is what the print's supposed to look like it's supposed to be flat um it's supposed to be able to be in a frame 
Um, ideally, it has some white paper and nice paper that shows. <laughs> right. And I think in <laughs> yeah. my mind, I nice margins. Those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took those expectations of what was acceptable for a print and then use that as the guidance for or the limitations for my experimentation. So like if I could work with another material and and put something on it, draw on it or do something to it that then but would still produce that flat surface, some nice white paper, right? And could fit in a frame, then I thought, okay, well then that's going to be okay, right? Because that meets the requirements. <laughs> those yeah. were that were my those are my, you know, my bumpers like, right? And so um now when I started to experiment more, it naturally evolved into something like do I need the paper at all, right? Like um mm -hmm. you know, I started taking hair clippings and I would always use um synthetic hair cuz I find I could talk about that more later, um, but for me, it's a metaphor in itself. Um, the synthetic hair, I love this idea of like the hair itself as a commodity, it's something you can buy. Mm. Um, and you can buy it real too, but it's still synthetic in a way, right? It's still this artificial version of itself. And so I'm just really taken, interested in like what is like both human and not human at the same time. And so, that's something that I've just I've just continued to stay really fascinated by. But yeah, but I think, you know, and, and I think it speaks a little bit to the lengths in which we or absolutely. people are made to strive for an ideal. Right. Right. Like your your hair has to be straight. How straight? So straight that it's not even real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How straight? Right. Your hair has like to it, be. It's, it. it's yeah. So it needs to be like in order to be. Um, in order to be acceptable or to be even better, right, or pop in or whatever. I mean, these words that we use, too, are like they're supernatural in a way. Yeah. They're like yeah. beyond what we can achieve. So um, so it only makes sense that then we have to go beyond what we can actually achieve. So and and there's no real judgment in that. I'm not I, I you know, I mean, I, I don't feel like in my work or in my ideas, I'm looking to make a maybe there is some of that. But I, I, I it's a more of a question and a real fascination to, I think, a, a, a societal, excuse me, societal um, yeah. um, tendency. We all do this culturally what i'm most familiar with is the black community and as a black woman right and i think that we as black women i think we're faced with some of the most amount of that like um or maybe the hist history behind um that um that this mirror in which we've had to look at ourselves and then look at an expectation of ourselves and we've had to try to constantly shift between which one we're going to try to, you know, be or function within or which one we shift from mirror to mirror to. Right. Um, and so I, I think that black women are so familiar with that um, as just are just a part of existing. Right. Yeah. As part of our oh, yeah. common knowledge existence. And so I find that interesting that we can have we can have normalized such a thought like that. That's just part of our being. It's part of who we are. So so yeah. So I'm really interested in, um, you know, part of why I'm interested in, in in synthetic hair is because it's not human, and I'm really interested in the things that we acquire and we hold on to and we identify with as ourselves that are not human. So it's like the things that we make 
ourselves that really aren't aren't really ourselves and we identify with it as just as equally and um um i just think that's i think that's a i don't know some might say that's a superpower you know to be able to do that Thank you for everybody that came out and supported the Black Art Family Reunion. Now we got another one. Make sure you come out to the Buy Gallery, 1802 Conley Drive, and check out the show Better Days, Joy and Revolution, a one-of-a-kind printmaking and print process show featuring contemporary and masterworks from Richard Mayhew and David Driscoll to contemporary works from Rashawn Rucker, Coy Alexander, and your boy Jay Barber. 1802 Conley Drive right around the corner from the Tyler Perry studio and the airport. Come see, come collect. See more at blackartinamerica.com This is Lauren Tate Baeza. I'm a thinker and you are listening to Studio Noise. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that, uh, and I think that's why your work to me resonates so much because it, cause it talks and reveals a lot of the undertones uh, to this to a bigger political game that we don't like necessarily talk about as much like even um as you go through you'll see in your series uh you talk about adornments a lot even from cherry bowls and barrettes to like these 3d like sculptural things that you make and put into hand and you photograph it um part of the adornment is a is about presentation but about presentation in a societal cultural way for a purpose right Mm -hmm. and like what the purpose is i think is an interesting thing where like sometimes it's collectively uh, us expression like you putting cherry balls in your little girl hair might be one thing uh but you putting stuff in your hair as an adult uh can mean a completely different thing depending on where you are what you do who's looking who's watching you know what i'm saying what's the audience all that good stuff mm-hmm. so it's complex yeah. yeah it's complex it's for better for worse too right there's some parts of that. Well, let me tell, let me step back and tell you like this, my probably my mother wouldn't want me to say this, but I, like, so <laughs> there's a lot of, um, I, and I, I'm saying this because like you're saying there's a push and pull, there's constantly a push and pull between what is both positive and negative. Why, you know, I, I shouldn't maybe use the word positive and negative is too um, black and white, but it's like, but what, what, um, the purpose of why we do something versus why yeah. we don't do something. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, but this is my little story is that my, my mother growing up, um, I remember being really enticed by um, those barrettes, those little colorful barrettes. Mm-hmm. And I've since done lots of printing with those barrettes and things like that, but those barrettes and you call them cherry. What did you call them? Cherry balls. Cherry balls. I've called I've called them boggles all this time. Call them what? Boggles. boggles. Oh, look at that! <laughs> I don't know. I love hearing cherry balls. Though. Cherry balls is so much better because that's, that's what they look like. That's like that's, yeah. I'm going to use that now. Okay, I'm going to use that. That might be a title for a couple things now. Coming up now that they say that. Okay, but yeah. you know, I really, I really loved. Just like any any little girl, I'd be like, "Ooh, look all that! Like it's colorful. Like it's like candy, right? Yeah, like it is. Candy. <laughs> they um, got all kinds of designs in them. They're like marbles. Yeah, right? they're where like it's marble. like they have like 
waves and stuff inside oh, of them. Yeah. Like, it, you get all, you get real fancy with them. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm all about that. And I, as a child, I was about that too. Um, but um, that was something my mother wouldn't let me wear in my hair. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Why? Why, yeah. why would you? Why? She was concerned that it would, that it would attract too much attention um, oh. and negative attention. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I think that's, I think that's, okay, let me say a little bit more to that. I think that there's like a reality to that too, right? Is it's like, um, I don't want my little girl being subjected to stereotypes. I don't want mm-hmm. my little girl to fit into those stereotypes that a white community might associate with with her, right? And her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want my little girl to be like patted on the head and be like, ooh, ooh what are these in your hair? And be touched, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't want my little girl's hair and looks to be simplified to what looks like entertainment for other people. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think that there's like a side of that, that now as a mother myself, I mean, I get that. I get that. I get the amount of, I get the concern about the attention. Um, um, but there's good and bad attention, right? Like we're always push and pull, right? So yep. Uh, yep. yeah, I, I get that. And um, I've used, I've used those um, cherry balls in my work quite a bit because I love like that they're hard, that there's these like, I think about them sometimes like this. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds odd. I maybe I'm thinking about weapons a lot lately and um, like um, yeah. armor a lot lately. But I've yeah. always just been fascinated by like how um, how you know they're like these like I mean they're hard like yeah they're really hard yeah they're not you, like you, you can't just like then go do a somersault yeah. with these things in your hair you can't hurt yourself. Nah. Right? Yeah, you poke somebody out. You right. Like, too not, hard. Like, you know, room, what do you yeah. call those knuckle, you know, I don't know, but brass knuckles. But brass anyway. knuckles, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, they're not just, it's almost like they're weapons too, right? And so yeah. I, I've always been like just interested, I guess in part in ties because they're like toys because it's like candy. And then they have this quality about them that's like, like not to be played with, right? Like, you know, I mean- it's like you have you ever knocked those things on your knuckles, man? They, they oh, hurt. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, they hurt. They're not small. <laughs> it's like it's kids. It's kids jewelry, um, um, but nonetheless, it's like, yeah, it's that. It, it, that's what it is, right? It's not like it's not a toy, too. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting off topic here. No, no, no. This is ground. No, we right we you, on topic. Tell you a little bit about <laughs> how you know. I mean, just I guess in thinking about you know, like my relationship to it, my relationship to hair comes from a bit of. I mean, like I mean, like so many people, I grew up. So I grew up in Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado, and um, and I I grew up like a lot of people I grew up with just no representation. Right. Mm-hmm. Some people have a lot of that experience or think that they don't have much representation and they have more than I did. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't have any. <laughs> and, um, and so, so yes, I grew up really familiar with that awareness of when and how I stood out and when I didn't want to stand out or how, if I did something that I could stand out even more than I'm standing out, you know, 
Um, and so, um, so yeah, I, I continue to still think about that too. But um, you brought up another aspect that I think about as well now is that like, um, you know, as women, women, children do the same thing because we're teaching the same things, right? Um, or are we teaching the same things, you know? Um, so like, and we have some, you know, we have some like um, things like these like cherry balls and stuff like that, like childlike hair accessories that are like coming back now into this fashion for women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, like we're just seeing like more of that decorating um, yeah. as part of our style now, which is great. It's a, like it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. Um, but I do find <clears throat> I do find an interest in the similarity of the two of like yeah. maybe how we wore our hair as kids is like maybe we still yeah. kind of do the same thing as adults. Right. And I, I, I think it's a, it is a little bit of that um, nostalgia that makes its way back into culture like a lot. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like we wear the things our parents used to wear. And mm -hmm. but now now it's cool because, you know, like I, I'm rocking the Michael Jackson jacket <laughs> is different than when you rock it, mama, because <laughs> like you're you're old. You got no swag. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, and I think it's like sort of that same interpretation that happens with uh, these adornments. Right. And so you see a lot of women uh, with colored hair mm -hmm. in the barrettes and the other stuff, but overloaded with barrettes. Right. Like they're everywhere. It's not just like one or two. <laughs> they keep in hair in place. Like you like the the purpose is to show you, like, look at me. Look at you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like it's taking something that we used to use. Uh maybe maybe they did experience, maybe they didn't. Cause I I'm not I'm not sure um if you grew up if you were born in two thousand, would you wear cherry balls in your hair? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's like, so I think it's a, a big throwback. Yeah, a big throwback because, you know, 80s, that's what we used to do, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. And so uh, the way that we, uh, these things have cultural significance. Right. Right. Yeah. And so all that stuff is implied into your work, too. So you take a piece like um, More Please um, and yeah. you have a mix of lithography, collage and screen print. Uh, and this to me highlights it because you have the real texture of the hair and then these really bright graphic representations of the borats or the adornments that's uh that are in it right yeah uh, tell me about that piece and how that came together yeah so yeah that's um um it started with lithography and lithography is like my favorite printing method really um and uh, but the the print itself is um looks like it's made to look like the actual like actual hair and it's um, a photolithograph and um, so I'm using the photolithograph kind of like if you think about to those that are like familiar with like cyanotype it's kind of like um, I'm using the actual hair and using it at, as a tool to block out light in essence um, and and so it's transferring that image kind of like you think like a photograph, but it's not a photograph quite, you know, it's more simplified than that um, onto, um, onto a plate that I can then print from. But I'm using hair, I'm using synthetic hair again, um, and I'm using it and I'm arranging it, I'm composing it in the way that, um, um, 
in the way that's in, like intended for the composition. And, um, and so I'm printing that lithographically and then I'm adding on these other pieces to that, um, to that image of the hair, which are, um, screen printed components, um, they're screen printed components, but I've been screen printing with multiple layers of ink. So I'm working with really thick ink and printing, um, it's called plastisol, um, mm-hmm. and then printing one layer, another layer, another layer. And so they really build up to have some sort of dimension. So they sit off of the surface. Um, and most of those are about like, they might be like a 16th to like, even somewhere like an eighth of an inch off of the page. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and it's just ink, you know, I was like, I love that it becomes like, it can become sculptural like that. But, um, but I'm printing like, I don't, um, I don't know, uh, um, at least 12 layers or more, right. To build them up that much. Uh, and then, um, and so some of those stencils that are printed are like these round shapes. And some of them are, um, look like barrettes themselves. And, um, and some of them I am, I print and then I'm flocking them too in that piece. So some of those are, um, kind of fuzzy, like the flock is this little fibrous powder, um, that goes on the ink, um, on, well, on the adhesive and dries. And so it has this kind of like velvet kind of feel and look to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, in that work, it's like all about. I think what makes that work fun to me is it's all about like as much tactility as possible, right? Like tactility in the eye for the eye, but also like to the touch that there is um, this kind of different levels and different surfaces there. Um, and all then like this kind of color that at the time when I was making that work, I didn't really have any color in my work. And so it was like a lot of fun to work with this, um, these different hair accessories, like their confetti, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, ah, it goes <laughs> everywhere. And it's like, what's everything? Uh, and yeah. I, and I, and I, you know, I like that, but I also like, um, that, like, I think the, the part of that work that looks the most real is the one that's the most flat. Right. So like the hair is, looks, it's intended to look like the like real capture of the real texture of the hair, but it's the most flat kind of simple yeah. thing on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's fine. Cause I think about those, I think some of those I ended up in some of those series, I was able to um, print on an adhesive, um, another sheet, um, uh, like an adhesive paper. Um, and then it cut them out and stick them on. So kind of like, like stickers. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 yeah, which is fun, which kind of added to that, you know, it adds to that sense of the, the play um, yeah. that's in that work. Yeah. And it's, and it's, that's what happens. Like anybody that's ever sat around grandma house and she done hair, <laughs> like when my grandma had a bowl of <laughs> the barrettes and that stuff, they were all the colors mixed in like candy, like you were saying. And she just grab them out and like, you know, yeah. like get to it. Yeah. Like she braid and, and stick the, stick like, yo, it, it, was, on, a, it was a whole it, thing. Yeah. Lock it, tie it. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. You know? <laughs> and so like, uh, how true to the process it is, is, is also what mm. people can relate to. Like if you've ever seen it, if you've ever felt that you ever had your hair did as a kid, then when you see Althea's prints, you know 
what she's what she's representing, <laughs> like specifically. It's a lot of uh, fun. And, it's a lot of fun. And then so continuing moving, uh, playing with mediums, right? You, you just described making that one print with so many different processes. Now you take your concepts and you and you're going to completely other mediums, right? Like going in 3D printing stuff and then having photographs taken yeah. of it and presenting the photograph like. Tell me about that. Yeah. Like, that that that's I think is a continuation of an idea, but in a very dramatic like shift. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's interesting. I think as creators, as artists, and I mean, and I say artists and the and creators in the broadest sense, we we have these instincts to respond to things and um respond like these instincts which are ideas, and we think that like maybe they leave us or they're gone or like but actually we're kind of doing the same thing the whole time. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I feel like my, the work I uh, work now with 3d printing and photography is like making this big shift. And in some ways it's like, it's another, just a sh- another, how would I say it? Like another shift in perspective, but of the same ideas. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just like another lens. Um, but um, yeah, I've been um, most recently, I had um, I had a show in Atlanta. Did you see the show? Yeah, you saw yeah, I saw it? it at the Contemporary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. I had a show in Atlanta, the Contemporary, <laughs> and um, and I was like, so excited to show that piece because it's like the only I made that piece for that show, and it was in this really um, this little narrow like space, and mm-hmm. it was all these three D printed um, objects, three uh, D printed objects of um, of pin like kind of like pin like forms, needles, um, bobby pins, uh, and they're all mounted on a base facing upward so that those um, that their needle the tips were facing upward. And um, then I also printed these air these sections of which that were like very fine fibers or like you might think of like hair or like grass that were also um, these rectangular like squares in that. And, um, and, um, and so, and it was all printed in black and, and yeah, I started working in 3d printing really out of my interest in or inspiration that came from screen printing and building those layers and screen print and finding 3d printing just seems so natural, um, to that process that I had to learn that, um, because, in essence, I was doing the slow version of what the 3D printer was doing, right? right. Um, and so yeah. <laughs> working with like working in 2D and building 2D layers to make a three-dimensional object form. And so, yeah, I've been doing screen printing now for, I mean, excuse me, 3D printing. Um, gosh, I hate to say it, it's like time flies so quickly because I've been doing that now <laughs> for, it seems like much longer than I feel like I'm, I'm knowledgeable but I, um, I'm just learning as I go. Um, um, the piece that I showed at the Atlantic Contemporary was like, um, and it was intended to be like this pathway or uh, that looked like sod or grass or something like that. Um, and um, I just had a lot of fun making that work. And um, before, prior to that piece, I had been um, making 3D printed objects and forms um inspired you know inspired by like kind of their own symbolism and then arranging them um composing and arranging them into portraits which i've been photographing um 
In fact, I showed one of my first set of photographs there in Atlanta in 2014 was when I went first. Oh, wow. Yes, it was when I first did my photographs, um, when I completed two or three photographs. And at the time, I wasn't doing 3D printing at the time, um, but that's when I was using those cherry balls and, um, and barrettes and making hats um, and, and photographing these little girls wearing these um, heavily covered um, hair accessorized <laughs> uh, helmets, in essence. And... Um, and that's where that work started, really. I mean, that's when I first showed that work was at the uh, SGCI conference. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. actually, no, I'm getting that wrong. 2000 it wasn't 2014. It was 2015. Maybe it was 2015. Um, but yeah, that's where that work that works first started. But since then, um, just in the last two years, I've been making these portraits, which are these 3D printed objects and these compositions as um, um, using these 3D printed objects as the decoration for these portraits. And I've been just having a lot of fun working this way. It's like, um, it's, it's like, it's been a, like a learning curve for me um, to, to some degree, but, uh, but it just adds, for me, it just adds another layer of the same things I'm already interested in. It's like, as this layer of like, back to the print sounds geeky, but like printmaking and the print as um, this like non-conventional approach to printmaking. Like this is still printmaking, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. If it's multiples, it's, printmaking, it's multiples huh? and it's, you know, and actually 3d printing is known as stereolithography or was known as stereolithography before it became mainstream now. Right. Um, so it's always existed in this like language of print, but you know, we haven't quite as um, the medium, the art medium of printmaking hasn't quite embraced it yet as that, as an extension of that, but it is definitely part, it's definitely connected to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that there's that part of that. And, um, um, and, you know, and like all the things that I've worked with that are material, it all comes from plastics too. So uh, I just find a real affinity and interest also in this like continued, continued use of the synthetic, right? And so, um, so that's been great. And then it's given me this agency to um, not just use found objects, found things and make them into new things, but to like print them um, and to like further translate things. So to print them and, um, and then making them to new things. So I've been printing things like um, some of my work, you see like satellite dishes, um, mm. some of the work you see like bullets and um, lots of flowers. I did this one piece that was like, I thought of it and it's called counter. I thought of it kind of like a, a garden in a way, but a garden with this other, these other things buried in it, which um, were, um, um, were like uh, tools of analysis, I might say. Mm-hmm. Um, calipers and tweezers and um, um, gosh, what else did I have? Like my magnifying glasses, but also like bows and um, oh, things yeah. like that. Like, um, so, uh, and then amongst all these different flowers too. So I've been able to take those now and I'm just having a lot of fun with composing them into these wearable, um, wearable um composite these wearable objects for these compositions yeah. and i don't see myself as a photographer uh, it's like 
I'm using the method that works best to articulate the, the idea, right? It's yeah. Like I'm not yeah. necessarily trying to just like, now I'm a photographer. No, I don't <laughs> know I was a photographer at all, right? But it's, like it's yeah. the idea that I want to um, explore that seems like this is what's best fitting for it. It needs to be the photograph. Um, yeah. I, I, think it, I feel more like a sculptor because you know, <laughs> I'm getting um, to make objects. Uh, but yeah. um, I love it. No, in all your experiments, tell me, tell me, was there ever like one epic disaster that you <laughs> can think of, like right off the all board? the time? I mean, <laughs> man, I can't even tell you because there's too many of them. You know, I mean, I was always someone that I'm not like this now because I need my sleep. But I was always <laughs> one of those artists that liked like to work at night because oh yeah, because yeah. I would make so many mistakes and I didn't want people to see them. Right. And during the day, especially if you're in a print shop, someone might see it. So I didn't want anyone to see it. So I'd just work late at night and I'd make all the mistakes I needed to um, at night until I could figure it out. Um, I did a lot of things over and over again. <laughs> I've done lots of things over and over yeah. again. Yes. It's just it's just paper, yo. It's, it's just, just paper. paper. Just gonna- <laughs> it's just paper or it can be swept up or cleaned up or wiped up. What was the hardest thing that you had to print, like object-wise? I mean, I'm sure because I've seen, I've helped a student of mine do a print on hair, mm-hmm. and that was very complicated, like already. So, so I can imagine, like you, like doing all this other stuff that you're doing. What was, what was the hardest thing that you think you had to print? Wait, not like you just couldn't get it. Okay, okay, not 3D print, just print. Well, both. Like if if the 3D print was the hardest. Well, registration is hard. I think the thing is, it's like what makes printing so hard is like it's the unforeseen. You know, you were saying how like it takes some of the control away, which is exciting and which can also be freeing. Right. Is to say, like, it's just what it is. And I don't know what that is (laughs) until I pull it back. Right. But it's like it's the unforeseen stuff. So I've had lots of difficulty in printing things that um, I wanted some real. Oh, I can tell you something. But I'll say this first. Um, like I really want some like fine detail and um, and just and like how to achieve that, how to achieve it and make it visible. Right. That's something I've, I've struggled with a lot. And I think I continue to struggle with because for me, it's all about particularly in printing like lithography, like like if my, if my goal is to make it look real. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if I have. Like if I have a weird fray hair that's like somewhere on the plate, like that's a no for me. Like that's got to go because I don't want people to confuse between like the intentional and the unintentioned, right? And so I want everything to look intentional and I want it to be believable enough to like trick the eye to make you think that maybe that's hair there or maybe she just Mm. rolled that up and that's like and glued some hair on there or something like that. That's what I want to be. I want it to be believable, right? Yeah. And so that's what I've struggled with the most at times is like certain, you know, with like color with, this is just very formal stuff, but like, you know, color or like surround contrast and achieving like what's the balance needed for that to like make it look believable. Sometimes I struggle with that with color because, you know, particularly images, images of hair, like we have a lot of different color hair now, but like, it still has to have a certain type of weight and quality to the color to be believable. Right. Otherwise it looks like color on paper. Right. So, yeah. 
So I, yeah, so I still struggle with that um, now, but um, I, um, something really difficult to print, I can tell yeah. you about, and I'm not printing it. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that counts. It doesn't really count. Yeah, if you were in the room, I guess it that counts. It doesn't really count. <laughs> um, well, I've been doing, um, I'm working with them, this press that's in Texas, in Austin, Texas, a flatbed press, and um, to print uh, some, to print um, compositions of bobby pens. And they're using oh, yes, yes, I saw you post about that. Yeah, 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 they're printing some really deep recessed plates so that they print so that the ink is like, they, they print with all this ink on them. Those are yeah. really hard to print. And I'm not printing them. <laughs> I could not do, I could, I love the work that I don't print the most. Um, so, yeah. um, you know, I, yeah, you want to just drop it off. Like, here I go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's not that's the best awesome, answer. Yeah. The other answer was more accurate. Cause that's, yeah, that's well, they, it's not good for them in flatbed. Like they, they the one with the problem. Like you, you're all right. <laughs> yeah. Then I can Why say it's not, it's not them stopping. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say about the piece that you had a contemporary, it reminded me of a hairbrush. Was that intentional? Oh, I love it. No, but the, well, yeah, no, I don't want to tell you what the intention was, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so much of a hairbrush. I think you're absolutely right. It has that surface. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm still working on that piece um, to show it at the Elder Gallery in the um, later on this year, which is in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I'm hoping to have that exhibit that piece again there, and in a different yeah. form, a different shape. Yeah, I like that, Joe. I like that. You know, exciting stuff always happening out there. Y'all got to keep up with it. Thanks for coming on the show, William. Man, we I would probably talk to you for another I hour could, or two. If we, yeah. <laughs> John, you're great. You're great. Yeah, we have to bring you. Got to bring you back on the show just to talk about print yeah, stuff talk about <laughs> with somebody. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> hey, hey, I love printmaking. So anybody that can nerd out with me and don't think I'm weird, then I, then y'all cool with me. So <laughs> I think it's definitely my my new best friend in the print community. Oh. Appreciate oh, likewise, you. likewise. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, but tell everybody where they can find you. Look up and see your work. And yeah. uh, if you got any shows coming up, yeah. you just mentioned one. Yeah, you can look out for me on, um, I do have an Instagram page, um, and I'll be picking up in, on that and posting on that um, as I'm getting ready to do some things. Same things are coming soon, um, which is everything you can pretty much find me with my, with my name because um, – there's not very many with my name. So it's, Althea, it's, yeah, it's unique enough. Yeah. At, at Althea Murphy Price. Um, but you can also find me. I have a website that's www.altheamurphyprice.com. And you can see some of my work there. And I also have a, I have a number of my photographic pieces at the Spiral Gallery. That's at, um, and, um, in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and, it's, and excuse me, that's Blue Spiral Gallery. I said spiral gallery, so blue spiral gallery um, mm -hmm. in Asheville. And so you can check out work there that I, I have up. Um, and um, yeah, I'm going to be doing an exhibit, exhibiting a piece locally here in Knoxville soon. And um, um, as in October, coming up with the Dogwood Arts Center. 
That's what's up. Hey, she she's so busy. I'm telling you, you, you want to see these prints. These prints are incredible. I'm telling you, as a print expert, it got the studio noise stamp of approval on oh, all her you. prints. And as much as I'm surprised she talked about struggling so much because her prints are fantastic prints. Well, that's <laughs> the best amazing. part. The struggle is what makes it fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Joe. I love it. Althea, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you, girl. Take care. Appreciate you. And that's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the bag. Big shout out to my print sister, Althea Murphy-Price, coming on the podcast. Check her workout, follow her, do all that good stuff. Next week, uh, we'll have somebody else on the podcast. <laughs> I keep this good art talk going, as always. And to all my artists out there, go ahead and get your stuff together. All you need is wood, ink, paper. You can be a printmaker and hang out with us, too, and make some noise. <laughs> make some noise baby i just want to keep you making motivated inspired all that good stuff is the noise baby your boy i'll be back next week peace thank you for listening to the studio noise podcast subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise follow us on instagram at studio noise podcast